in a moment, Matt Dobbs is going to come and speak to us. If you don't know Matt, Matt leads our young adults community. And again, if you are here as a visitor, he'd particularly like to connect with you. Uh, we're in a series of what it means to live post-Easter, to live as disciples of Jesus, waiting for his return. What do we do until he comes? And what we've, we've been talking about is three things that Jesus calls us to do. He calls us uh, to, to love God, to love one another, and to love the world. So for the last two Sundays, we've been thinking about what it means to really be devoted to God. And what it really means to, to build community, to be devoted to one another, and to, to create a place where people who are seeking God and finding God can belong, find their place in his family. But tonight, we're thinking about what it means to go out into the world. And honestly, we believe Woodlands Church, the Woodlands Church family, was raised up by God for these purposes. To love God. Certainly to love one another. But to be transformational for the city of Bristol, to see many people come to know and love God here, but have their lives turned around. And not just people who come to find faith, but see our whole city become a place that looks more like the kingdom of God than it does at the moment. So Matt's going to be coming and telling us a little bit about how we can be partners with the Holy Spirit and with one another in that. So let's give him a big welcome. What a lovely big welcome that was. Thanks, everyone. Um, oh, look at this. Wow. Oh, it's not as sturdy as I thought it was going to be. Um, and look at this. It's only a triangle. Wow. Um, if it gets boring, someone just come up and get a triangle and, and I don't know, we'll start playing the triangle together. Um, right, I'm, I'm aware of the time because actually we want to, we want to get worshipping as well at some point. And I, and I actually want to give us time to be able to respond to um, this word that we as a church... Hey, who was that? Where's that camera? <laughs> That's going there for later. Um, I want to give us time to be able to worship, but we, we love the Bible here as well. And, um, and so we're going to, to read some of the Bible together, and we're going to learn about, um, uh, more about God, learn about his heart for us, but also his heart for our city, as Dave said. This is a, a topic um, out as we look to, to serve our city. Um, that is really dear to my heart. Um, I love Bristol so much. Um, actually, both myself and, and Abby, who I'm married to, um, we're actually going to be in Bristol probably for all our life. That's, that's like a long time because I look old, but I'm actually only 32, and I'm going to live to at least 103. Um, so you'll see me a lot around Bristol. Um, but I want to ask you the question, what moves you? What moves you? Like even if you look over these last few weeks of your life, what have been things where, uh, that might have brought you to tears? That might have brought you lots of joy, might have brought you some happiness, might have brought you a sense of, of peace. Um, what might have angered you? What's got you upset? What are some of the things that have really challenged you? What sort of stuff moves you when you look at your own heart and your own lives? One thing that moves me a lot is, uh, is reunion YouTube videos. I love a reunion YouTube video. I, I can't help 
but get super emotional about seeing people that have been apart for a really long time come together and see each other. Actually, we might even have a reunion video for you to get moved to right now. Emily Jones, what we're saying, is that video looking okay? Oh, for God's sake. Language. <laughs> this meeting is over. All right. Thanks a lot. Thank you for your service. Welcome home, buddy. All right. What a lovely little video. A guy coming back from, whoa, um, yeesh. Um, but that gets me, that sort of stuff. There's something about people coming back together. And yeah, sure, that's probably the most awkward way to see your son after many years of him being off in the army um, during a meeting. Um, kind of awkward. But there's something about that that just gets my heart, that moves me. Even when watching that, there was just a little bit, I got a bit dewy in the eye. Um, I'm moved by those sort of things. I'm moved by not just being an empathetic person, but also um, by the thought of the, the injustice behind some of that stuff, that, that, that family kind of taken apart and uh, not seeing each other. There's something about that that's deeper than just, just empathy. Um, but a bigger question that we should ask is actually what moves God? What are the things that for us as people that are either exploring um, who God is um, or us that are people that follow Jesus, what are the things that move God? Is God someone who can even be moved? We're going to start and and look through a few little Bible passages. And the first one, um, briefly, we're going to look in Exodus, actually. And it's at the the beginning of the Bible. and, um, And actually, this sets the tone for God's heart through the rest of the Bible and through the rest, of, actually, of human history. And we're going to start in, verse, uh, in chapter 3, verse 7 through to 10, and it says this. The Lord said, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I have heard them crying out because of their slave drivers, and I am concerned about their suffering. So I have come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of that land into a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey, the home of the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Perizzites, Hivites, and Jebusites. And now the cry of the Israelites has reached me, and I have seen the way the Egyptians are oppressing them. So now go, I am sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. 
we see here, actually that text was small, so hopefully you had your Bibles um, with you there, but we see here that God hears the cry of the Israelite people, a people that were oppressed, a people that were in slavery, a people that were crying out to him, and the Hebrew word for that is sa'ak, sa'ak, um, and it is a noise that people would make. It's literally crying, but also it's a cry that's saying, God, where were you? God, where are you? God, surely you see this situation. Surely you see what's going on. Surely you see the slavery that we're in. Surely you see our oppression. God, where are you? And the amazing thing we see here is that God is moved. When all feels hopeless, when the people cry out, God is moved and he does something about it. And I'm so aware just before we go into a, a talk about how we're going to be missional, how we're going to be um, reaching out to our city, I'm also really aware that there's people here probably now and you are the ones that feel like you're experiencing inequality. You're the ones that feel like you're being oppressed. Actually, you're the ones that feel like there's injustice happening to you. It might be that you're uh, a woman here in the city and you, uh, you're fearful of walking out in our streets in Bristol. And you're crying out, God, where are you? This isn't right. I shouldn't feel unsafe in my own city. God, where are you? It might be that you're it's struggling with, with addiction that we heard, we heard from, from Dom. And you're stuck in that loop, that cycle of addiction. And you're saying, God, where are you? You're crying out to God. God, this isn't right. God, I'm stuck. God, help me. It might be that actually all your life since you've been born that you've experienced racism. That through your school life, through being here in Bristol, you've made to feel like you're an outsider. And actually it's a painful thing that you've been crying out to God. God, where are you? God, do you see this injustice that is happening? Where are you? The amazing truth that we read here is that God hears your cries. God hears your cries. When you feel hopeless, you feel like there's no end, you feel like you're alone or exhausted, you can have comfort in knowing that God hears your cries. There's this brilliant quote from A.W. Tozer that says this, justice is not something God has. Justice is something God is. See, when God sees systemic injustice, when God sees um, inequality, he hears the cries of his people and he says, I'm bigger than this. And I'm stepping down to do something about it. 
God always wants to bring freedom. And actually in that story um, in Exodus, the start of, that, um, of the, the journey of the Israelites out from captivity, starting with God hearing people's cries, led to a whole people group being led into freedom. My goodness, it was a journey. <laughs> but they got there. When we worship God, when we follow Jesus, when we follow the God who is justice, justice comes onto our radar. We become people who move towards the people that are on the margins of society. But it's not always easy. Actually, we as church have a, a huge heart for the people that are marginalized in our, in our city here. We want to do something about it. Like God said to Moses, um, and you're going to go to Pharaoh. Actually, God says to us, and you're going to go to the people on the margins. But this has been something that has been struggled and there's so many things that actually get in our way. And maybe when you think, what are the things that move you? Actually, injustice isn't something that moves you. Maybe when you walk around the street and you see um, people sleeping rough, you just walk past. Maybe when you're absolutely bombarded by the news, by so many stories of hurt, of inequality, of people being marginalized more and more, you think, this is never going to end. Why would I even step into this place of wanting to make a difference? Maybe even you're someone that actually, when you start looking at, at yourself, you're like, actually, is this even a priority for me? There's this little bit in um, Galatians that we're going to read now. Um, and it was the, the, these are the followers of Jesus who are trying to navigate um, this idea of, of serving the poor. The Bible says serving the poor um, is so important um, for us as followers of Jesus. Um, but here's a, a little scenario that was going on. We're going to read it now. Galatians 2, um, verse 9 through to 10. And it says this, James, Cephas, and John, those esteemed as pillars, gave me and Barnabas, that's me as Paul, and Barnabas, the right hand of fellowship when they recognized the grace given to me. They agreed that we should go to the Gentiles and they to the circumcised. All they asked was that we should continue to remember the poor, the very thing I have been eager to do all along. Let me give you a little context to that. There was a big argument and discussion that was going on in the early church. Actually, this was the biggest topic that was argued about um, in the first century um, of people post-Jesus. Um, and that was, followers of Jesus, do you have to be circumcised or not? That's a big question. Now I can say, as a man, I'm interested in that question. <laughs> if I suddenly follow Jesus, am I going to have to be circumcised? I want to be in on that discussion. That actually is going to be an important discussion that I want to be a part of. Not only is that a theological debate, it's a physical one. And I've got skin in the game. 
But this is an important thing, an important point. Because actually, you've probably heard the saying, let's do the things that are important rather than things that are urgent. Actually, what I want to say to you is, actually, sometimes, are the important things actually important? And we see that the response um, from uh, Peter, James, and John um, to this debate that was going on was, don't forget to care for the poor. Don't, but of all things, the only thing that I'm asking you to do, yes, have this debate, yes, discuss, this is really important. This is really important. But the one thing that I ask you to do is care for the poor. How many times do we, do things come up that are important, they do matter, our small groups, our pastorates, our Bible reading, our prayer, the debates, discussions, our job, our work, our family and friends, important things that do matter, but that take the place of us caring for those that God cares the most about. This happened to me. It happens to me a lot, actually. I'm very easily distracted. Um, but it happened, I'll give you one failure and one success. Um, then it's even. One failure. Someone dropped me a text um, a few months back, and they said, Matt, I've got this idea about how um, we can serve the city, actually around food poverty, how we can um, support people um, in food poverty, actually see people come out the other end of food poverty so that food banks don't, um, aren't needed anymore. Um, and do you know what I did? I didn't say, this sounds great, this is amazing, yeah, let's meet up and chat. I just ignored it. I had other emails to do. I had other friends to see. I was busy. I had stuff to do. I ignored it. The person messaged me again. Oh, have you seen my message? Can we meet up to chat? I said, oh, yeah, I've seen it. Really sorry. Um, I've just got other things to do at the moment. Those things were important. But were they important? I didn't see that person. They probably had a brilliant idea. It probably could have had a massive impact in the city. I was short-sighted. Here's another one. The noise weekend. Did the noise weekend um, yesterday. Actually, earlier this week, I was like, do you know what? Can't be bothered. Don't want to do it, really. I've got a talk to prepare. Because I'm a good Christian man. <laughs> I don't want to do that. Actually, I've, I've done this sort of stuff before. I've done it before, and I've done my time. I've done it since I was like, two years old. I've, I've done this sort of stuff before. I, I don't really need to do that. Oh, the weather's kind of, oh, it might be bad. Or they'll be all right without me. 700 volunteers. What's one more volunteer? We'll be okay. And then I was preparing this talk. And I was like, oh, my goodness. I'm arguing in my head <laughs> about something that I know is important, but it's not actually important, is it? It is important, but it's not the most important thing. And so I got out and about, and yeah, sure, 
I had an amazing time. I absolutely loved being down at the noise. Yeah, also sure. I've got a wasp fell down my back. And I'm covered in wasp bites or stings or whatever they do to you. Yeah, sure, I've lost all the skin on my knuckles and I've slightly cut my head. Sure, I can barely walk. <laughs> I'm exhausted. <laughs> but it was so amazing to be out with a guy who runs a children's center with a team of other people. He left for most of the day with a children's center that was a little bit rundown, a little bit raggedy. Um, and he came back and it was much nicer. Actually, some of the guys um, cleaned out one of the playgrounds that they'd never been able to play on because it was so covered in moss and kind of overgrowth and weeds. Um, they hadn't been able to play. And now some kids are going to be able to go and play in that playground. Actually, it was so mucky and dirty um, that the kids weren't really allowed to go out and play. But now they can. And it's a small thing that you think, oh, that's really kind of insignificant. But we chatted to the, um, the site manager, um, and he said, you have no idea the difference that's going to make to these kids. Most of these kids, pupil premium kids, they're on free school meals. They don't have much fun in their lives. Their families are struggling. But now they come along to our children's center, and it's looking nice, and they can play in their playground, and it's looking tidy and clean, and it's a safe space for them to be. A small shift from is this important or is there something else that's even more important? Now, I'm aware of a few different sort of people. As soon as we start talking about um, serving those who are, um, who are poor, those who are marginalized, those who are um, experiencing inequality, that you might be someone that when you hear about that, you realize, actually, I'm not near any of those people. I've actually created a bubble around myself where I don't come into contact with anyone that's not middle class. Actually, our society gears us towards, actually, make yourself comfortable. You're geared towards make yourself comfortable. A nice house in a nice place. Having nice food. The nice job. That's the success goal. That's the goal where society is leading us towards. But we can find ourselves further and further away from the margins of society. Further and further away from the people that... Actually, the church is meant to be around. If you hear stories and you think, actually, that's not part of my daily life. I'm in a bubble. My prayer for you would be, God, break my heart for what breaks yours. God, move me in such a way that I can't not get out of this bubble I've created around myself. But there's also another type of person, and that's a person that's actually numb to the cries of the people that are on the margins of society. We're so bombarded by bad news stories, 
we're actually overloaded. And maybe you're a sort of person that just feels that compassion fatigue. And you feel like, actually, I can't do it anymore. I've tried. I was passionate, but actually just even hearing this now, it's painful for me. Because I'm hurt. I'm disillusioned. I feel hopeless. What difference can I make? Why, why would I even go back there? Actually, that's a defense form. You've numbed yourself to defend yourself. And I get that. I feel that as well, a lot. Why, why bother? But my prayer for you, actually, my prayer for us is that we would be burdened for the people of our city. And I'm not saying burden is a heavy weight, but actually a burden of a greater sense of love for people in our city. A greater sense of love for those that experience inequality. A greater sense of love for those that are sleeping rough on our streets. For those that are in the sex industry. For those that are asylum seekers coming to our city. That have got no idea what they're going to be welcomed into. Escaping all sorts of horrible situations. A heart and a greater love for those coming through the prison system. Out into our city looking to rehabilitate. A greater love for the kids in our city that are really struggling. Those struggling with their mental health. Those struggling with not being fed and not having enough food. Those struggling with food poverty, food insecurity. A greater love and a greater burden for those that are in the cycle of addiction. My prayer is that you would have a burden a greater sense of love. The amazing thing is you don't conjure that up yourself. We only love because God loved us first. Actually, here's another thing that we need to put in the bin a little bit. You're also not the savior of the world. And that's okay. <laughs> Actually, that's more than okay. That's brilliant. <laughs> So I can tell you, if I was the saviour of the world, the world would be rubbish. <laughs> I'm not saving anyone. Only God can save. But I am called to love. And I am called to love those that aren't like me. I'm called to love those that I would even call my enemy. We need a greater capacity to love more. But I love being part of this church, and here's the reason why. Because we have an amazing vision to see the city of Bristol transformed by the love and power of God. The great thing is that what that means is, yes, I'm calling on all of us individually to get stuck in, to get involved to be giving, to be volunteering, to be acting, to be praying, to actually have your life, the orientation of your life, orientated to things of God, which God is moved by the people who are crying out to him. But what that means is that rather than us all doing this individually, we do this as the church. Now we can see stuff happen. 
Now it looks different. We gather together. And I want to give some really practical things right now. Because if you've been struggling to get involved or to know what to do or where to start, I want to give some practical things. We need this. This is important. It's actually how we at Woody's partner um, at, do stuff in the city and, and serve those that aren't like us. It is through partnership and unity with a whole raft of different charities across our city. It's an amazing thing that we're not building a little empire of Woody's or doing lots of outreachy things, but we're partnering with what's already going on in our city. Um, there are loads of different organizations in our city for every possible inequality that you are passionate about. When I say, God, break my heart for what breaks yours, God will break your heart for some sort of people. These organizations here, some of our, our key partners, they are working with the people that God will break your heart for. And all you've got to do is a maximum of three clicks and you can get stuck in. It sounds a lot, I know. Three clicks, Matt, no. I can't do it. I've got important things in my life. Do you not know how busy I am? Three clicks. Number one, go to woodlandschurch.net slash social dash action. You'll see there a whole list of different things that we're involved with, that we're partnering with. Second step, click on one of those. Click on one of those organizations. Third step, Drop them a message, say, how can I get involved? That's it. Three steps. But how many people are actually going to do that? <laughs> it took me ages to just do those three simple steps and get stuck in and actually show that I am part of the church that wants to see our city transformed and change. Three steps, that's all it was. But not only do we want to step out and do things to our city, we actually also want to hear the call of our city. And hear the cry of our city here in Bristol. It's an amazing opportunity for us as church to be serving our city and responding to a call. One call, really practical one, that's come out recently is that there's going to be 400 asylum seekers coming to Bristol on the 26th of April. The city have said, churches, can you set up a hub to welcome those people, to get alongside those 400 people? City has said that. City have said, we've heard that your God that you follow says that you're to care for those that are on the outskirts of society. Here you go. <laughs> are we going to do that? Would you have time to give to support some of those people that are coming to our city? 400 people. At this church, we've got a lot of people. If you'd want to get involved, to come and grab just any of us that are here on team, me, even me, um, and I'll get you connected in, in there. Another opportunity, if this is something that you're passionate about, uh, on the 10th of June, um, there's going to be an event um, down at E5 Church, um, and it's called um, Bristol City of Hope. And if you're interested in, uh, in justice and getting involved, you want to hear what's already going on in the city, if you want to be part and your voice actually counts and you actually be part of shaping something and directing the future of social action in our city, come along to that event. You'll hear what the churches are up to and you'll hear really practically how you can get stuck in. 10th of June, E5, Bristol 
the city of hope. What an amazing prophetic word for our city. City of hope. That's important. I'm going to finish up now because I could literally talk forever about our city. That's a hint, isn't it? Um, Brilliant. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to pray together. And it might be that actually you're in one of those first groups of people where you're someone who actually feels like you're on the other end of, of injustice. And you're one of those people that's been crying out to God, God, where are you? God, surely you see this. I want to pray for you now, actually. And you don't have to do anything. That's a vulnerable thing, so I'm not going to say stand up or anything like that. Um, But you'll know that's you. I'm just going to pray for you now. And then after that, if you want to have your heart broken for the things of God, if you feel that sense of, ah, apathy, you feel that sense of, ah, numbness, ah, defense, ah, I don't know what to do. And we're going to pray for you after that. But let me pray for for you folk that are struggling and crying out to God. And God, I thank you that you're a God who hears the cry of his people. I thank you, God, that you see the quiet spaces, the secret places where people are on their knees crying saying something needs to change. And God, I pray by your spirit, the comforter, that you would comfort those people now. That they would know that their voice is heard, that they are seen, that they are loved, and that God, you are on their side. God, help those that aren't in that place, that aren't crying out, to actually be people that cry out on behalf of them, a voice to the voiceless. God, raise us up as people that speak for those that have no voice. And if you're someone that wants your heart to be broken again that wants your heart to be broken the things of God that you want to be moved for the things that move God that you want to be part of seeing a city transformed by the love and power of God if that's you I want to pray for you now as well I wonder if you're up for standing up so if you're that those people I want your heart broken for the things that break God's. If you acknowledge apathy, if you acknowledge taking a back seat, or you even acknowledge hurt and pain and numbness, but you want to be someone that moves and is on mission for God, to stand up now. I'm going to pray for us to receive the Holy Spirit.
and God, we look to you and say, break our heart for what breaks yours. God, break our heart for what breaks yours. God, this isn't right. God, we acknowledge apathy and we acknowledge um, not putting serving other people as high a priority as it should be. And we ask God, break our hearts for what breaks yours. Challenge us, shake us. Go deep. Put on our hearts a passion that is unshakable for your kingdom, God. Your kingdom that brings hope, that brings power, that brings change, that speaks to systemic injustice and says this is wrong. But God, you have the power to change that. God, help us to grasp how we, as a people, your people, play our part in seeing our city transformed. In your name, Jesus. Amen. Thank you, Matt. Um, this is what we're going to do uh, in, uh, as we come to the, uh, towards the end of our service. Um, Jesus himself said, The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is on me because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. And we would love to feel that we are a church that's anointed by the Spirit to preach good news to the poor and to practice good news in our lifestyles. So we've got water here. What is to stop you getting baptized in the Holy Spirit? We've got some, we had a baptism this morning. What I'd like to do is just, if you, if you feel like you, you need that fresh anointing of the Spirit, that you might be captured with his heart to go out, we'll just take the covers off there and have the ministry team around the pool. Come on out and uh, we'll just splash some water on you and just breast that you might be anointed to serve God in all kinds of ways. Um, we're going to be singing a song that's got that line, break my heart with the things that break yours. And actually all of us need to partner with the heart of God for sure. Andrew Street is a man who is a massive champion for the church working to see Bristol transformed. If you don't know Andrew, he's incredibly influential in the city. A couple of weeks ago he was preaching at our 8 o'clock service and he, he said he'd been doing a jigsaw with his little child and God spoke to him because you make if a, a jigsaw works because you do the margins first, and then you get to see the picture. And he felt, if we're going to show people what the kingdom of God looks like, if people can get a picture of the kingdom of God, if we go to the margins, if we care for the people that are on God's heart, then people actually see a picture of what God's kingdom looks like. We believe that. People will see as people are, are cared for who need the love of God. This is what God's like. I want to be alongside him. So if that, if that catches you for what Mark said, shared to you has stirred your heart, don't be you know, complacent or apathetic or anything else, just come on out. We'd love to douse one another with water as a sign that we're going to be doused with the Spirit to see his kingdom come on earth.